This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Sunday morning service. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are going to have a home run day today. Lots of good stuff going on. I encourage you right now, before we get into worship, to invite somebody else to tune in. Tag somebody. Text somebody. Call somebody if you want to go old school. And get somebody else to hear the good news of Jesus Christ today. We are going to have an awesome, awesome service. Thank you for joining us. Let's all get ready to worship.
Good morning, fellow saints, uh, disciples of the word. You know, I, I, just got, I just got a word this morning of encouragement for you. I talked to the Father this morning, and he didn't have to lay off any angels. There's no uh, coronavirus in heaven. Jesus is still Lord. Eternity's real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. Our salvation's real. Jesus loves us. He's the same yesterday and forever. As we get to his holy written word today, I believe that God is going to speak to your heart. I know he's already spoke to my heart, and I'm open to everything he has for me this morning. I know you are too, and it doesn't make any difference what's going on around us. The greater one, the Holy Ghost of God, is on the inside of us. And like, like the Apostle John said, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Paul said... I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And glory to God, I want to tell you this. Also, James chapter 4 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And I like something that I heard that, 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 that great preacher lady say years ago, Joyce Myers, I heard her say many, many years ago, that if you don't quit, the devil has to. And Jesus, matter of fact, to paraphrase a little bit, John, uh, in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said that Satan's a liar, and the father of liars. And I want to say this. Satan's a loser. And the father of losers. So glory to God. Whatever you're facing in life today. As long as you stay in the race. You stay serving Jesus. And you don't quit. You will finish. In the winner's circle for your life. I want to pray this morning before we get to the word. So if you would. Bow your hairs with, bow your heads with me. And let's just go into the throne room. Father we want to thank you in the name of Jesus. For how great you are, how awesome you are. And Lord, we know that you love us more than the devil hates us. And we know, Lord, that because of you, we will always triumph as we stay walking with you, loving you, serving you. And thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we believe the Bible. The Bible says you're the author and finisher of our faith. And so we're going to stick with you. We're going to stick with the Bible. And no matter what goes on around us, we're not moved by what we see, but we'll purpose be moved by the Holy Ghost of God, by the Word of God. We're going to keep your Word in our hearts and in our mouth, and we just want to thank you today. We're going to be blessed, going to be refreshed, and we want to thank you that everywhere we go, like Paul said, we're living epistles. We're the love letters of God, known and read of all men as we follow after you. And we're going to do what you said, Jesus. You said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So that's what we purpose to do today. And we just want to thank you. This is a life-changing day for all of us. It's a new day. It's a fresh day. It's a new beginning for the rest of our lives. And Lord, we're going to change today to be more like you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Give a high five to those that are in your home with you, wherever you're watching this at. And I want to say this, I want to say this again. Treat this like a church service. I know it's kind of tough. It's kind of rough because we're not here in this wonderful sanctuary together. But in the spirit we're together. 
And I believe soon and very soon we're going to get to worship together again, to be together again. But what a wonderful time this is for our faith to be proved. James chapter 1, Paul said, Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, the trial of your faith worketh patience. Well, glory to God, our faith muscles being exercised. We're being changed every day. And so just rejoice. If you have to sometimes, just start laughing out loud and just rejoice and just begin to rehearse to the Lord all the great things that you've seen him do, all the things you believe now that he's going to do, and just thanking him that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I'll tell you what, one day with the Lord is far better than all the best days you ever had as a sinner out there living for the devil because Jesus is greater. And so it's so wonderful to know that eternity's forever. We're going to love him forever and ever and ever and ever. Now today is the first Sunday of the month in our church. And for years and years and years, it's been our tradition to take communion on the first Sunday of the month. And so have your elements prepared, get them ready, and at the end of the sermon, we'll go right into communion and just be able to, to rejoice on what all Jesus has done for us. Well, the title of today's message is How to Be Led by the Holy Spirit. How to Be Led by the Holy Spirit. And this is kind of along the same lines as what we did a couple weeks ago when I, when I, when I preached on the Sunday morning service. But I'm going to again look at First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And I want to remind you, have your pen out if you don't have it yet, your paper out, your Bible open, something to write on. When we get back in the service, we'll have those outlines again where you can have your notes to follow along with and be able to write on that paper again. But uh, turn your cell phones off. I really, really, really am very serious about this. Turn your cell phones off. Put, a, put them in your purse in the other room. Men, put them in a drawer in the other room. Do something. Don't be distracted. Because one word from God, as Brother Copeland said so many times, one word from God will change your life forever. And it would sure be a shame that the Holy Spirit, as he had you in mind when we prepared this sermon, had this word for you. And right when you was getting that word, you was looking at something goofy in a text message or an email or something come across there to distract you. And that this was all over with and you feel dry and he said, God, why didn't you talk to me? And if you was able to listen to him, he'd probably say to your heart, I did, but you weren't listening. You were on your phone. So put that phone up and focus on what we've got to say. And train your children, too. Train your children to treat a time like this as a holy time. As a time with Jesus, listen to your pastor teach you the word of God so you make it through this time successfully. And what is successfully success to be? is to fulfill all that God has you to do. That's what success means to me. Whatever God has you to do in this life with your family, in your ministry, because everybody has a ministry of some kind, the ministry of reconciliation, we know for sure. But that success is to be able to do all God wants you to do. So 1 Corinthians 12, 32, I believe you're there already, says that of the children of Ishakar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do had understanding of the times, know what Israel ought to do, ought to do. And I say at a time like this, every born again child of God should understand in the times we live in what you should be doing 
with your life, with your family. What we should be doing as Christians is the body of Christ. And so we as born again sons and daughters of God have the great Holy Spirit living in us. He always knows what to do in every circumstance, in every situation that we'll ever face in life. And you know, sometimes I like to think of it this way. Nothing that ever crosses our path caught Jesus off guard. Jesus knows our future better than we even know our past. And so we, as born-again Christians, have eternal life in us from God, having the great Holy Spirit in us, we should always, always, always know what to do in the times we live in. And so I want to stay on this subject of training yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit. That is so important, especially now. It always is, but especially now. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. I'm going to give you a chance to get there. It's always so important to look at your own Bible with your own eyes. And you know, I miss, I miss those times. I'm in the sanctuary right now looking at all these empty seats, seeing faces out here, seeing people out here that have problems, seeing people out here that overcome problems, and seeing people out here that are helping other people overcome problems. I, I, see, I see you out here by faith, but I'm looking forward to the day that you're on this sanctuary again, bringing your friends, bringing your co-workers, bringing your families, bringing your enemies. Because people get born again, get the love of God in their hearts, they're not your enemies anymore. They have the love of Christ, then they're on your side then. But I'm thinking about those days, I'm looking at our bookstore back here, thinking about those wonderful days coming when you're going to be able to go back to this bookstore, and I can recommend books to you that have helped me, they're on the subject of what we're preaching, to go back there, buy those books, and take them home. I've looked at this coffee bar back here, thinking about all the tables set up, all the fellowship you sit together helping each other, as we always say, iron sharpens iron, being able to do those things. But as we're, as we're sitting here thinking about these things and looking at the Word of God, we're going to see things, we're going to hear things, we're going to know things, and we're going to be able to get the victory the Bible promises us. And so as we're, as we're going through anything in life, and I think about these two verses, verse 5, verse 6, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and through 6, of how, how vital it is to live out of what these verses tell us. And when I look at these, I remember when I learned these verses, way back in early 1980, when I was a brand new Christian, and I knew nothing about the Bible, except I remember when I was a young boy and went to Sunday school, I remember John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who said, believe that him should not perish but have eternal life. I remember learning that verse, and I think that's the only verse that I learned, except I remember it was kind of cute. They would give us a little thing there uh, the church I went to as a little child and say, the shortest verse of the Bible, didn't learn this, Jesus wept. Well, that was the shortest verse of the Bible, but that really didn't help me if anything in life. But I remember those two verses. But then as I become a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, facing the first crisis of my life as a Christian, the Lord led me to these verses right here. There's a couple of the first verses become real to me. And I remember I worked at a truck dock. I was a truck driver at this time. I was working on the truck dock in this season of life back then. I remember writing this down 
on a piece of paper. Nobody ever taught me to do this, but the Holy Spirit led me to do this. They've become a part of my life up to this day. I wrote down on, on a piece of paper, Proverbs 3, verse 5, I wrote the words out. Verse 6, I wrote the words out. I stuck them in my pocket. As I worked on that truck dock all day long, I thought about the crisis that I was facing. And I'd pull this verse out. I'd read it out loud. I'd quote it. I'd memorize it until this verse become more real to me than what I was facing. And so I want you to look at this with me. And this has been led by the Spirit of God. It says, trust. And I circled that word trust. And that word trust, to me, meant to have confidence in. To have confidence in. To believe God more than I believe the impossibility of what I was facing. As some of you right now are probably facing possibilities. It may be health things. It may be family things. You may be so tired of being cooped up with your family and maybe other people with you. Uh, it, it may be financial things. You know, you've got money coming in right now, but if things don't break loose pretty soon, you're going to have trouble. It may be uh, car troubles you've got that because the things closed up, you can't get your car fixed. You can't get parts. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is you're facing in life, the truth of these verses can change things forever and ever and ever and ever. So that word trust to me means to have confidence in Jesus. To have more confidence in what Jesus says than what life shouting out at you. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We're going to talk about this in detail in a minute. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. That's your reasoning. That's your emotions. That's trying to figure out how, when, what. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. And my center column from that Hebrew word there says he'll make things smooth and straight for you. Make it plain for you what to do. And so I want to look I want to look this passage really closely. Jesus can do the impossible. Jesus can do for you that what you can't do. So trust the Lord with all your heart means this. Live out of your spirit. And not out of your head. There's a difference between your heart and your head. With all your heart. Means you learn. You train yourself. To look to the Holy Spirit. In your spirit. For what your inward man has to say. What your spirit man has to say. Live out of your born again spirit. And don't let your mind. Which is what your understanding is. How you understand things with your mind. Don't let your understanding Choke the word. Don't let your understanding talk you out of your faith. Don't let your understanding override the faith that is in your born again spirit from the word of God. And if we were in church right now, I'm, I'm going to say something. And all of you that come to church here regularly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because this, this verse has been drilled into your head, planted in your heart so strong that religion can't steal your faith. Romans 10, verse 17. If you were here right now, I'd look in this section. I'd look in this section. I'd look in your, this section. And I'd say, 
Romans 10, 17 says what? And then you would say, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the opposite of faith is fear. Fear comes by hearing and by hearing the voice of the world. Here, faith, fear cometh by hearing and by hearing the lies of the devil. And so there's a lot of things out there that are speaking to your mind today. They've got your attention. And especially if you're one of these believers that lives by the news all day long, waiting to hear the latest fear, wanting to hear the latest statistic, wanting to hear the latest fight, the latest strife, the latest thing going on in the political world, the latest thing going on in the economical world, the latest thing going on all around you, on the internet, on Facebook, on every other venue there is out there talking to you, unless you're listening to a born-again preacher, a spirit-filled preacher, teaching the Bible, then they're not putting faith into you, they're putting fear into you. And so faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and so that's what trust is. Trust is faith, and so if you lead your own understanding, if you're going by head knowledge, and not Bible knowledge is planted into your spirit, then you're in trouble. He can't direct your paths if all you're hearing is doubt and unbelief and how bad it's going to be, how bad it is, how bad it's going to get. And so keep listening to what we have to say. He said, Trust in the Lord all your heart, and your heart is your spirit. Don't listen to your head. And you know, it's okay to go by your head in many things in life, you have to have head knowledge on lots of things to do. I think about mechanics. A mechanic's got to have head knowledge how to work on a car, how to work on a truck, how to work on a piece of equipment. And scientists, they go by head knowledge in the things they look at, the things they experiment with, the things they come up with. In the financial arena, you've got to have head knowledge how to balance your checkbook, to know what's in your accounts, how to budget your money. But when it comes to faith things, when it comes to spiritual things, if your head knowledge, now listen to this, I'm going to say something to you, you need to get a hold of it. If your head knowledge is telling you contrary to what the Bible says, then you need to put your head knowledge over here and say, I'm going with the Bible. And I think about, think about a verse that Pastor Dave used when he taught the Word of God Wednesday night. He talked about there's a way that seems right to a man, but then thereof are the ways of death. As though there's some things that are right to your understanding and to an unsaved man, you might think that doing good things will get you to heaven. You might think that if I'm not too mean to people, if I treat people pretty good, if I give money to the poor, if I do good things for people, surely they'll give me points with God. Well, see, that's contrary to the Word of God. The Word of God says your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. The Word of God says, it's Ephesians chapter 2, says, For grace are we saved through faith, and not that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so that way is a way that seems right to a man. But the Bible says, you must call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It says, you've got to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, God raised from the dead, to get to heaven. So Jesus is on the way to heaven, and so head knowledge says one thing, 
Bible dolly says another. And so that's what we're talking about today, about learning to live out of your heart for what the Word of God says, and put head knowledge aside when it disagrees with the Word of God. And so anyway, it teaches you to be led by the Holy Spirit, how to trade your spirit. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Some things have got to become real to you if you're going to be a spirit-led Christian and give victory in life. At 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, as you're turning there, I want to say this again, that this verse is another one of those first verses that the Lord taught me when I came into the Christian lifestyle, the Christian faith, and I wrote this verse down. By this time, I was a little further along in my faith, and I began to carry three by five cards. And so I wrote this verse down on a three by five card. I carried it in my pocket, and all day long, I'd pull that card out of my pocket. I would read it out loud. I would always start off with by saying, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. I learned the address, or where it was in the Bible, at the same time I learned the verse, because that way I would never have to say, if I was quoting a verse to somebody, I will start off with, I learned it for myself, but then somebody, I quote that somebody, somebody, say, somebody would say, where's that at? I wouldn't have to say, I don't know addresses, I just know the Bible, but I don't know addresses. Well, how are you ever going to fight in a time of crisis if you don't know the address? How are you going to give it to somebody else so they can sit in their Bible if you don't know the address? And I didn't know at that time how important it was to learn chapter and verse as well as the verse. But I learned chapter and verse, and that's always helped me all these 40 years as a believer. Most of those as a preacher, because I knew where to find it in the Bible. So I wrote down my 3 by 5 card. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And it says this. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now here's what I want you to see. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body. Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so until you get the revelation that you are a spirit being, you possess a soul, which is your mind, where your understanding is, your will and your emotions are part of your soul, and you live in a physical body. Until you have that understanding that you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And I want to say this. I didn't, I didn't say this. The Bible says this. Paul said, your spirit, your soul, and your body. And the Bible does teach quite a bit on this. Until you get the revelation that you are three parts, spirit, soul, and body, you're going to have a hard time trusting God in your heart and not all the time trying to figure and reason, how can God possibly do this impossible thing? If all you ever do is think about body and think about mind, think about emotions, and think about the outward man and the solical part of your being. Say this with me. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, now say this out loud with me, say, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, don't be afraid to say it, speak it out loud, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, I am a spirit being. Say this, I am a spirit being, 
I possess a soul. I possess a soul. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. My soul, say it right out loud, my soul is my mind, will, and emotions. And I, my spirit, I live in a physical body. I live in a physical body. My mind is not the real me. Say that. Say, my mind is not the real me. My body is not the real me. Say that out loud. You need to know that. My body is not the real me. My spirit is the real me. My spirit. Say that. My spirit. My born-again spirit. Say that out loud. My born-again spirit, where Jesus lives, is the real me. Keep saying this with me. I don't let my mind or my body control me. I don't let my mind or my body tell me what to do. I tell my mind and I tell my body what to do. If you're going to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding, you must get the revelation that your mind, your head, is not the real you. Your mind and your head are obviously very important, very critical to you live a good life because God gave you your mind. But he also told you in Romans 12 too, to don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Before you were born again, all you could go by was head knowledge. All you could go by was education. Things your parents taught you. Things you learned through life. Because your spirit, at that time the Bible says your spirit was dead to God. Your spirit was not hooked up with the Holy Spirit. When you become born again, then you could hear the voice of the Good Shepherd in your spirit. And then you begin to understand the Word of God. And that's when you need to begin to renew your mind by the Word of God. And so the more you live and the more you function as a born-again Christian, the more the Word of God becomes intertwined in your thinking and in your mind, then you're going to begin to recognize in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, God said to cast down thoughts and imaginations. And every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so the more you have the knowledge of God in your thinking, then you begin to make some decisions upon the, uh, in line with the Word of God, but all the time you've got to listen in your spirit. He said your spirit, your soul, and your body. And so you have to make decisions from your heart where the Holy Spirit lives. Now I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to give you time to get there because you need to see it with your own eyes. You've got to receive the revelation. You're a spirit being. You possess a soul. Your mind, will, emotions, and you live in a physical body. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 I believe you're there now. Put the cell phone up. Don't get distracted. Don't let that thing go off and 
pull you off this. You need to see this right now. You need this revelation from God. It says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, I circled outward man. Talking about your physical body. Yet the inward man, I circled inward man. That's talking about your spirit. You have an outward man, you have an inward man. It says, though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. Your outward man, talking about your physical body, is so obvious. You look in the mirror, you see your outward man. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things have become new. What's well, obviously when you're born again, your outward man didn't change. Whatever color your hair is, still the same color. Whatever your eyes are, still the same eyes, still the same nose. Uh, whatever your shape is, whether you're heavy, uh, whether you don't weigh a whole lot, whatever your physical condition is, that doesn't change. But the inward man becomes a new creature in Christ. And so your outward man is your physical body, and it is getting older every day, and will eventually die. Says the outward man perish, well that perish means death doomed. Corruptible means that every day your outward man is getting older and older and eventually your outward man is going to die. But he says your inward man, your spirit, is renewed day by day. And so the real you, your spirit man, will never die. Your spirit's eternal, will live forever. You must become spirit conscious. You must become eternity conscious. You must become aware that the Jesus in you and your spirit will live forever and ever. And so you need to begin to rely upon that inward man. So Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 will become real to you. Trust Lord with all your heart. You'll recognize that inward man. And so says this renewed day by day your spirit is. As you pray, as you meditate in God's word and fellowship with Jesus, your spirit stays young, invigorated, and full of life. But you have to recognize that your spirit man is the real you. Now, verse 17 and 18, I want to look at these as we close out this message. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction. Anything you've ever went through in life, whether it lasted days, weeks, months, I've been through some things I didn't like that lasted years. But you think about this. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, the hard things we go through sometimes, you compare, if you got to live to be 120 years old, comparing to eternity where there's no time, eternity goes forever and ever and ever and ever. You can't measure it because there's no beginning, there's no ending. Eternal means forever. You compare a trial you go through for five months or five years to endless time it's but for a moment. Matter of fact, Peter said this way, one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And so we don't get caught up in how bad it is, how horrible it is. But he says in verse 18, that it's but for a moment. How is that? While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. We don't focus on how bad it is, we don't focus on how uncomfortable it is. We don't focus on how miserable it is. We don't deny it. I like to say it this way. I say this all the time right here in church. Faith doesn't deny things. 
Faith changes things. That's why he says that uh, our light affliction is good for a moment. It will turn out for the glory of God. But we don't focus on what we see, but we focus on what we don't see. What don't we see? Well, what we can't, what we cannot see for our physical eyes, we can't see heaven. But we think about it. We can't see the streets of gold. We can't see the throne of God. We can't see the mansions in heaven. But we can look at the Word of God. And the Word of God makes spiritual things real to us. So if we're not going to focus on what we see, the bad things, we're going to focus on the good things in the Word of God. It says, for the things which we see are temporal. That means they're temporary and subject to change. Things that we see are going to change. And what I've noticed over my years of Christianity, they're going to change either good or they're going to change bad. They're going to get better or they're going to get worse. They're going to get worse if you focus on them and talk about them and complain about them. They're going to get better if you talk about the goodness of God, talk about the Word of God, rejoice in all the things He's done, give Him praise and glory for what He's going to do. So as you as you go that direction with your spiritual vision, as you go that direction with your faith, the things that are seen are going to change for the better. And it says the things which are seen are temporal, things which are not seen are eternal. Your salvation is eternal. Your mansion in heaven is eternal. The streets of gold are eternal. The angels of God are eternal. The throne of God is eternal. The Lamb's book of life is eternal. All the things of God are eternal. And so we as Christians, if we're going to be able to be led by the Spirit of God, if we're going to be able to focus on the things of God, trust with all of our heart, then we've got to let loose of looking at the wrong things. Start looking at the right things. I want to say this again. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. And so, five specific verses to focus on. Write them down. Speak about loud. Claim them. Grab them. Thank God for them. And you're going to see whatever it is that's trying to get you down. Change for the glory of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path plain. He'll make it smooth. And you will finish your race and finish anything else God's called you to do. In Jesus' name, amen. And I believe you got something out of that. Go over these notes later. Think about them. Look at them. Look the verses up again. And let this be the best day of the rest of your life. Well, it's Communion Sunday. And I do believe... You have your elements ready. I know I got mine right here. I'm ready to receive and fellowship with the Lord. And so I want you to open your Bible. And you think I'm going to say 1 Corinthians chapter 11, but I'm not. I'm going to say chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. I want you to look at this. And then we'll slip right in to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But I was thinking about this this morning. about We always call this communion. At 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it doesn't talk about communion. It talks about the Lord's Supper. But then 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which leads into chapter 11, verse 16, Paul talking about uh, the Lord's Supper, called it this. 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? See the word communion? And this leads into chapter 11 where he talks about how to receive communion. 
He says, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The communion of the body of Christ? And so, uh, in, in, in the Greek, in my center column, if you've got a modern translation, it says fellowship. So communion means fellowship. And so when we receive communion with the Lord, we're talking about fellowshipping with the Lord. Communion is a time of fellowship. And you think about the word fellowship, we're talking about communication. And of course, that's part of the word communion is communication and communion. They go hand in hand. And so communicate with someone, to fellowship with someone, is not one person doing all the talking, but it's a dialogue. You both get to talk. It's not a monologue. And so God doesn't do all the talking. You don't do all the talking. But God does do part of the talking. And you do part of the talking. So communion, that's the time where we fellowship with Jesus around the Word through the Holy Spirit. And as we fellowship, we do part of the talking. And the Lord does part, does part of the talking. And we know that the Word of God is Jesus talking to us. He's talking about that all the time. His Word are one and the same. And so he tells us some instructions here. First Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show or you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Jesus is coming again. He died. He was raised from the dead for our sins. This is what communion is all about. Reminding ourselves, looking at this, celebrating the fact that he did what we couldn't do. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And so whenever we take communion, we want to make sure that we know that we're worthy because of his blood. We're not just a bunch of worms. We're not, we're not wretched. We're not miserable. We were, and we couldn't earn our salvation, but we've got to recognize that because of what Jesus did, he gave it to us as a gift. And so we need to make sure that we're walking right with God when we take communion. So then this is, this is, this is, this is our part that God tells us to remember is communication, is fellowship. He tells us in verse 28, let a man or let a woman, a boy or girl, examine himself or herself. You need to take time for self-examination and then eat of that bread, drink of that cup, after you've examined yourself, that's what we're going to do. That's why we always do this. For he that eateth drinketh unworthily in an unworthy manner, that means that you come into communion time with known sin in your life, or God's asking you to do something, you didn't do it, that's just as much sin. If the Lord's dealing with you and you're rejecting him, you're resisting him, you don't want to do that. That's so why he says that he that eateth drinketh unworthily in an unworthy manner, eateth drinketh damnation, our judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And what this is saying is this. God gives you a chance to deal with things in your life, to get things right, so he doesn't have to. If God's dealing with you about doing something, or God's doing, dealing with you about stop doing something, had you resisted him, there'll come a point in time when he'll have to judge you and judge the sin. And so he says right here, do a self-examination, and then just get it right. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'll start doing that for you. Or say, Jesus, I'm sorry, 
I'm going to quit doing that. And they just make those corrections. So now let's just, let's, let's just take uh, just a short time to examine ourselves. And as we worship Jesus for just a minute, listen to your heart, listen to the Holy Spirit and make some adjustments.
All right. I believe that we've all made adjustments, corrections. We've listened to the Holy Spirit. We're walking with Jesus. And so now that we've judged ourselves, fellowship with Jesus, let's do what the Bible says to do. Verse 24, still look at 1 Corinthians 11, says, And when he had given thanks, talking about Jesus, he broke the bread and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus, we're never going to forget that although you're God, you became a man. And you walked the streets of Galilee, of Jerusalem. You lived out here in that earth suit for those 33 and a half years. And then you lived a sinless life. You let him nail you to the cross. You died for our sins. Took those stripes on your back. Said your body's broken for us. Because of those stripes on your back, which you did for us, we say, by those stripes, we were healed. Thank you, Jesus. And then the Bible says, after the same manner also, I took the cup, when it's up, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you, because of your blood, we're new creations in Christ. You washed our sins away. You gave us your nature, and Lord, even today, as believers, what we do wrong, it will come to you. Your word says you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, we're always going to remember the blood. Thank you for your precious blood. We're forgiven, we're cleansed, we're clean, we have new life because of your blood. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Know that your blood made us clean, made us holy, gives us victory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. We're going to go ahead and take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And again, we thank you so much, High Desert Word Center family, for your faithfulness. And even those that have been giving from all the way as far as other states. We thank you for your support and what all you're doing to help us get the gospel out and to keep things running right here in Barstow. We love you guys so much. If you're giving this morning, there's going to be information on your screen here in a minute. You can check that out, how to give out online and even through text. There's lots of ways to do this. But we're going to look at a verse this morning here in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, and if you've been around here long, you're familiar with this passage. And as you read Matthew 6, you see the previous verses. You know, Jesus is addressing how sometimes we worry. Well, Lord, what are, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? The kids need this. And basically he's saying people of this world, they're always worrying and concerned and don't know where their provision is going to come from. How's it going to all work out? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 33, and these are some powerful words right here. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so he tells us, man, everybody else is worrying. How are we going to do it? How are we going to make it this time? He said, no, you're not, you're no, you don't need to be like that. That's, that's how the people of this world behave. But for you, all you need to do is seek 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll just give you all the things you need. And some people are like, well, I don't I don't know if I can believe that. Those are the words of Jesus. He said, all these things shall be added unto you. So I'm telling you right now, it pays to serve God. It pays to seek first his kingdom. So many people read that verse and say, well, you seek first the kingdom of God, and then you get all these things taken away from you, and that's just part of it. No, that's not part of it. Jesus said he'll make sure that you have all the things you need for this life if you will seek him first and his righteousness. And I've heard so many awesome testimonies from our church family and and believers all over the nation during this time that they've been seeking the kingdom first for not only right now, but for a long time. And the stuff that they need to get through this, it's just been showing up. It's just been added unto them. Why is that? Because God's word is true. Somebody should say amen right now. God's word is true. That's some good news for you today. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over our giving and check out the ways that you can give right there. Praise God. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. As we bring the Lord tithe and give offering today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, saves and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debt paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for you all of my everybody. It's been another awesome Sunday morning. As we keep saying, the day is getting closer when we're going to be together in person. So stay tuned. We're exploring all options. We want to be together just as much as you do. Amen. We're going to close out with some words of faith over Barstow, just like we always do. We started 2020 doing this and we're going to keep on doing it. So thank you. And when we speak these words, mean them, speak them in faith. And we're watching Jesus do some great things in the city of Barstow. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah, man. That just excites me every single time. As we close out, remember, guys, you can like us on Facebook. Follow on Instagram, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, and stay tuned and and share the gospel with us as many ways as we can. We love you guys. We'll see you really soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.